Jurassic Park is frightening in the dark. All the dinosaurs are running wild. Someone let T-Rex out of his pen. Guys, this is Talking Talkies. I am Chris. That is Dan. Yep. And in case you haven't guessed this week, we are reviewing Jurassic Park. Why Jurassic Park? Because the park is about to reopen this weekend, and I am super freaking pumped for this. Yeah, and I'm not going to see it till next weekend, so... Aww. Yeah, well, that's okay. I'm still struggling to find out when I'm actually going to see it. I, uh, I'm going to get my work schedule tomorrow. So at that point, I'm going to either go Friday morning before I go in, or and if I'm off Sunday, I'm going to go Sunday. And otherwise, I'll just, whatever day I'm off next week is when I'm going to go. But uh, still, I'm very excited to see Jurassic World. I've been looking forward to this for a while. For those of you guys who listened to the Pie Crust when we did our year-end special, uh, Dan, Mike, and I all picked out five movies that we were most excited to see. Um, we all differed on one. Dan wants to see Mockingjay Part 2. I want to see the Minions movie. And Mike picked Ant-Man. But the other four in our top fives were all the same, just in a different order. And it was... Age of Ultron, Jurassic World, Spectre, and then The Force Awakens. So now here we are. We have both seen Age of Ultron. It lived up to the hype. And now Jurassic World is coming next. And this is going to be that next really exciting movie that we're pumped to see. And I really, really hope it lives up to the original one. And that's the one we're going to talk about today. Um, I know that Dan and I are both going to watch the trilogies in preparation for the movie. The main reason we're not reviewing them is that it just wasn't necessary to do the whole trilogy, considering that World is actually a sequel to Jurassic Park in the respect that it takes place on the same island. And the sequels are, yes, they're in canon, they happened, but they're not necessarily going to be part of this next story. So doing a full review wasn't necessary at this time. Uh, like the Road Warrior, we might review this in the future. So hold on to your butts. Yes, twice hold on to your butts. <laughs> Indeed. <clears throat> all right. So for me, Jurassic Park is a top five favorite film of all time. Um, and about that, but for me, it definitely is. And then, as far as the uh, original Michael Crichton novel is concerned, that is easily a top ten favorite book of all time. From mine. Have you ever read the novel, Dan? No, but I think I might have it. Awesome. Or at least I used to could. <laughs> well, if you do have it, find it and give it a read. It's it's really good. There is a lot of like sciency technical stuff in there, but there's a lot more sassiness from Ian Malcolm, which makes it totally worthwhile. It's also quite graphic, and you'll notice that a lot of scenes from well, I should say scenes because they're part of the book, but moments from the book were recycled into both The Lost World and Jurassic Park 3 that never made it into the original, which includes the uh, the T-Rex chasing Grant and the kids down the river, which was recycled into Jurassic Park 3 with the Spinosaurus. And then a lot of scenes were used in The Lost World, which also included um, the breaking out of the animals, some of the raptor stuff. Uh, there's a couple of things that they reused because they just didn't have it the first time. So, let's break down Jurassic Park, one of my favorite movies. 
so the movie starts off with the uh, containment, the containment box, which contains a brand new Velociraptor, which is the big female that takes over the pack later on in the movie. And we, the first character we meet, although we're not officially introduced to him, is Robert Muldoon, the gamekeeper from Africa, who is really not a fan of these raptors, even though he seems to know so much about them. And while they're trying to load in this new raptor, there's an accident, and one of the park workers gets killed. And that's Some the big shit. Because when he gets, yeah. he gets like picked up at the one point. <laughs> oh yeah, it's um. The thing about this movie is I've seen this movie listed in, like, a lot of horror movie lists as being, like, a legitimately scary movie. In fact, I remember one list had Jaws number one and this was number two. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, Jurassic Park's not a horror movie, though. It's an adventure movie, and it's got a lot of cool scenes and stuff. But then, like, and I guess I don't associate it as being a horror movie because it didn't scare me as a kid like Freddy Krueger did. But... Now I watch it back as an adult, and I'm like, you know, there were some really friggin' scary scenes in this movie. And uh, we're going to talk about those as we go on here. Two in particular, and they both involve the kids. Oh, those friggin' kids. Yes. Everybody knows that kids ruin the movie. They're like like geniuses, but they're friggin' dumb as fuck, too. (laughs) Because they're kids? Because they're they're book smart, but they're also kids, so they still do stupid kid stuff like, you know, react, like have the emotional availability of a kid, like Mrs. Father. No, he has no emotional availability. Children are are all emotional availability. <laughs> Opposite of the Mrs. Father is what I meant to say. I apologize. It, it just might not be the correct emotion that is available at, at any given time. Well, no, of course not, because they're kids. Well, this accident causes concern. So uh, Donald Gennaro, which is Hammond's pretty much his personal lawyer at this point, goes to one of the mines. I think it's a Chilean mind. I don't remember if it's a, or it's like a Dominican mind. Uh, where he comes up on the little raft that was in, yeah. that was in the Dominican, I believe it's. A- okay. And then uh, he's talking to the. He's talking to one of Grant's diggers, and he's saying how if you guys get some experts to sign off on the park, then the insurance investors are going to back off, especially considering that they're facing a $20 million lawsuit for the death of the worker. And he says that uh, they've already got Ian Malcolm on board, but they want Alan Grant. But you'll never get him out of Montana because Grant's like me. He's a digger. And at that point, he actually finds a piece of amber with the mosquito inside. This, of course, all leads to the Minnesota site where they just unveiled a new Velociraptor skeleton in pretty good shape. And after they sent the radar down into the ground, they're looking at it in the computer. This little kid is this not little, at all. This little shit is. Yeah, this, this, little fa- this little fast shit is not impressed and is making fun of it. And Grant already hates kids. <laughs> so now he's going to terrorize the kid by explaining exactly how the raptor hunts. And what and it will it shows do is them how they cut him by almost cutting him <laughs> by pretty much almost cutting him. <laughs> I like how Sattler afterwards is like, you know, if you're allowed to scare the kid, you could have just pulled a gun on him. <laughs> That's another thing. Like, as much as I love this movie as a kid, as an adult, I start appreciating some of the humor in it a lot more. Um, helicopter arrives and is about to completely fuck up their discovery by blowing dust all over it. And. 
John Hammond just invites himself into the trailer and opens up a bottle of champagne because he insists that they're going to celebrate. And I, I like how Grant gets in his face and he's like, oh, I'm Dr. Hammond, you know, the guy that funds your research. He's like, oh, did, did, did I say jerk? They immediately start backtracking all their insults. And he starts explaining to them what's going on. He's got this, he owns this island 120 miles off the coast of Costa Rica. And he wants you to come down for the weekend. And if you do, I'm going to fund your research for the next three years. So basically, you know, I'm going to take care of you guys if you come and help me out. So they agree to go. They're riding in the helicopter off to the island. And this is where we first meet the greatest character in these movies, which, of course, is Ian Malcolm, played by Jeff Goldblum. And what a perfect role for Jeff Goldblum. It's probably my favorite Jeff Goldblum role of all time. And he uses his one of his most famous lines, must go faster. He uses it in almost every movie he's in. He pretty much, yeah. Must go faster. Because they used it in Independence Day, which is, which is like the next best Jeff Goldblum character. So in this movie, Jeff Goldblum plays himself. Pretty much. He plays a guy with, with chest hair. Yeah. And he's uh, he's explaining his chaos theory and everything. And we also learn that d- d- although Dr. Alan Grant is very intelligent, he doesn't know how to operate a seatbelt. <laughs> Which, of course, is a funny... He got, double, he got double, double female ends. Yeah. Which is a metaphor for later on in the movie. So, of course, they land on the island. They take him out in the jeeps. And they finally realize what's actually going on on this island. There are real-life breathing dinosaurs on this island. And, of course, that's like the big reveal scene where you see the Brachiosaur for the first time, which is still like one of those really, really cool moments that you remember as a kid. Um, And even though this is a 1993 movie, the CG holds up surprisingly well. Like, you can tell now, watching it in 2015, you can see where it's starting to show its age. But overall, the CG is still pretty spectacular, which is, for an early 90s movie, really, really good. And, of course, now we see the Brachiosaur. We're blown away by this. Holy Um, shit, there's a dinosaur. (laughs) Just a dinosaur. (laughs) And I like how he just kind of, like, collapses on himself. Like, well, we... How fast do they go? We clocked the T-Rex at 32 miles an hour. The T-Rex? You said you have a T-Rex? Say that again. We have a T-Rex. <laughs> of course, then you have a... He actually did it. You crazy son of a bitch. He actually did it. Another great Malcolm line. So here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to take you to the visitor center. We are going to show you exactly how this is done. And by taking him on a little, kind of like a ride, even though he insists that there are no rides, he's got living, breathing attractions, so everybody has rides, and then he immediately takes them on a ride. <laughs> and he's, it's, uh, that's when they do the whole Mr. DNA cartoon, which is taken from the lengthy explanations from the book of how they clone these dinosaurs. So they condense this into one little cartoon, and that's how they get the entire book's explanation in there, which takes several chapters. Uh, One thing they don't do in the movie that they do in the book that I think is actually kind of key 
which would explain a lot of the dinosaur behaviors and get around some of the failed science is that they, um, because they're messing with their genetic codes, they are able to pretty much modify them when they breed them, which is why they're all females, where they um, they deny them that extra chromosome during development, so they can control their breeding. Although scientifically accurate Jurassic Park would suggest that you make them all male because there'd be less of an issue there. Um, but what's cool about the um, what's cool about the science here is they make uh, Dr. Henry Wu, which is Beanie Wong's character, which has like zero role in the movie, but a huge role in the book. He uh, he is constantly talking about how like we could modify their behavior. We could make them more docile and all this other stuff you know you can pretty much breed them as pets but Hammond refused because he wanted the real deal that's like when they put together Shepard in Mass Effect 2 <laughs> now, I remember when I first saw this movie and they're like we used stuff from a frog and I had, like just learned about the frog that can change its sex and I was like well that's going to be a problem <laughs> Yeah, because we were, we were about that age where we were learning that kind of stuff in science class. I was like, oh, but, there, 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 but there's the frog that can change its sex if it needs to. Yeah, which is exactly what happens later. So they explain the science, how they have the dino DNA in amber. Yes, there's inaccuracies there, but it's a friggin' adventure movie. So It's a goddamn people, movie. Yeah, and of course, they're, um, they're all... They, they, go, they go have lunch, but... Oh man, here's all the issues that we have because we just saw how the raptors feed, and and the guy gives well, him like a whole explanation about how the raptors are already evolving and learning. Yeah. and they they never they never touch the fence in the same place twice because they're testing it for weaknesses. I mean, that they, raptor scene is genius, right? Like we learn how how nasty they are, and we didn't even see one. All they did was move some trees, and then. Come up with come up with busted equipment with no with yeah. no cow <laughs> with no more cow. That was great. I love that stuff. Like how in <laughs> wrestling, when someone got attacked backstage, but you never saw the attack, they're just selling on the ground. Love yeah. it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, we really don't see a raptor until pretty close to the end of the movie because the, like the, the only time 20 minutes <laughs> yeah the, the first raptor you technically see is the eye of the one that's eyeing Muldoon when they're when the guy gets killed in the begin, opening scene and of course that's also um, the same female who pretty much came in and killed off the other females killed I think they said there were eight of them then she came in and killed all but two so she's like the super dominant one now which isn't, according to the commercials for Jurassic World, that's what happens with the Indominus Rex, is it murders its sibling right off the bat. But what happened to the sibling? She ate it. Oh, well, this is good. We certainly didn't learn our lesson. So, now we get to meet the stars of the show. The main demographic, the kids. Hammond's grandchildren. And I just love... Grant's scowl when he sees that he's going to be dealing with kids, and <laughs> just the way that Ellie trolls him, <laughs> like the fact that he can't get into the jeep without Tim following him, he puts him in the other car. When he turns around, Lex is just standing there, like she said that I should ride with you because it would be good for you. And he kind of looks over at Ellie, and she's just smirking. But he still shakes him off at that point, at least. Yeah. 
We're also start meeting some of our control room technicians at this point. We meet Samuel L. Jackson in his hold on to your butts line. No MFers in this movie because it's PG-13, but still, it's Sam Jackson. And, of course, Dennis Nedry, who earlier in the movie we revealed him to be the villain as he met Dodson at a cafe. Dodson here. Dodson. Dodson. We've got Dodson here. No one cares. You shouldn't use my name. All right. Sorry. I also like that um, Cameron Thor, who plays him, has said that that's his favorite character ever just because that's the one he's most recognized for. And he's like, if they ever want me back to play Dodson, I will totally do it. I was in three minutes of Jurassic Park. Yeah. Well, Dodson's the main villain in the Lost World novel. He's the, the, the big baddie, you know, which is funny because, like, no characters from that novel made the transition over to the book except for or, well, you know, I mean, to the movie, except for Malcolm, Sarah Harding, and his daughter. Like, that's it. No other characters made it over. Everybody else got recycled or reused, or they just invented a whole bunch of new ones. I remember seeing the cast list for the first time, and I'm like, I don't know who any of these guys are. Like, where's Dodson? I thought he was the villain. But nope, no Dodson. This is only Dodson. He's like the slughorn of this movie. Yeah, really. Because he's trying to run, like, another place, but they're ten years behind them, right? He said, you'll catch up for ten years in, like, six weeks or something like that. Yeah. They're, uh, he runs Biosyn, which is the rival organization of InGen, which is Hammond's company. Again, more explanations in the book. But whatever. Anyway, um, so basically Nedry is there as the uh, the main computer programmer and everything, but his whole plan is to... Shut off the security systems for in a 20-minute window, steal a bunch of embryos, get them to the boat, and then he's basically going to disappear because he's going to make a crap load of money off of this. Um, his plan doesn't go quite well. We'll talk about that in a minute. First of all, let's talk about the failed tour that they go on where they expect to see a Dilophosaur and nothing happens. And then they expect to see a T-Rex and nothing happens. They send out a goat for the T-Rex to attack. And nothing happens because, you know, T-Rex wants to hunt. He doesn't want to be fed. <laughs> of course, we get another great line here. God creates dinosaurs. God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Dinosaurs eat man. Woman inherits the earth. And I like how they both do that double turn. <laughs> Just looking at her and she completely no-sells it. And, of course, they find the sick Triceratops, which is a stegosaurus in the novel. And Ellie decides she's going to stay behind because she wants to see what's wrong with the trike after she uh, sticks her hands in its droppings. That is one big pile they of have shit. poisonous food. Yes. Now, they never even pay this off, but I'm guessing it's, it's menstrual cycle and it's having babies and stuff. No, it's, um, it's just the fact that... Uh, it's regurgitating the berries, which is why you don't see them and she doesn't find anything in the droppings. Because dinosaurs, um, this is actually some factual stuff here, but because dinosaurs didn't have the teeth to chew, they would swallow rocks kind of like some birds do to dissolve the plants in their stomach. But there's no room for that in a movie. That's book explanation stuff. For this, it, everybody just relax. It's an animatronic triceratops that you guys got to play with. 
everybody be happy. It's pretty well, much like, what that so this is just This is just there so that we can see another dinosaur and then we can split up some of the group at this point. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Dr. Harding, the guy who's with the Triceratops, is actually one of the film's producers making a cameo. So good for him. Um, they get back in their jeeps, but there's a tropical storm coming because, you know, that's what happens when you have an island. Uh, it's going to shut. Yep. yep. Which which they used actual footage from a hurricane that struck while they were filming in Hawaii <laughs> and it spliced it into the movie. So it's just like, all right, so uh, we better cut the tour short, get them back in and get them out of here. And of course, with the storm coming through, you can easily blame some of the security failures on the storm or just create the atmosphere. It was like both the perfect time and the worst time right. for for Newman to do his Newman thing. Yep. Newman. Now, it, the best part about the whole Nedry thing is that it is actually pretty brilliant because I've heard a lot of people complain and moan that, you know, a park this big would have a fail safe for when the power would go out for a storm system like this. It's just like, yeah, and I'm sure it did, but he turned it off. That was the whole point. He, the guy knew what he was doing. Like, he specifically bid for the job, which meant that uh, despite Hammond always saying that he spared no expense, he went with the cheapest programmer possible. But the reason he got such a cheap programmer is because he wasn't going to stay there. And in the book, it's explained that part of his revenge comes from the fact that he never was told anything. He was always that guy that wasn't kept in the loop. So when a rival company offered him this deal, he took it. This is why you keep your employees in the loop, people. Because they'll shut off, they'll shut off the power, and then all your dinosaurs will escape. Jeez. This is probably a very true-to-life example of what happens when you don't treat your employees quite. Right. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I love that he. Uh, the first place they want to look for him is the vending machines, which is funny That's because where he said he was going to go though. So yeah. But as a kid, I, I never caught that line. So <laughs> all I thought was they were fat. saying, check the vending machines because he's fat. So why would he turn off all these fences, but not the raptor fences? Well, obviously, because he has to get through all the other fences. He stole your embryos and he's on his way out. Now, as he's escaping in his Jeep, he gets lost. He crashes. He uh, takes out a sign so he doesn't know where he's going. I love it that the, that the arrow that points is just on a on – a on a spinning thing. It just spins. <laughs> he just gets pissed. But then, um, while he's escaping, the Jeeps are stuck back at the Tyrannosaur paddock. And with no electric fence, the T-Rex is able to break out in one of those scenes that is both really friggin' cool these days, but was also really terrifying the first time you saw it. And this is one of those, like, really good suspenseful moments that prove that you can have a scary, dramatic movie without all the jump scares involved, which is what a lot of horror cliches are, are jump scares. You don't need any real jump scares for the T-Rex. All you need is the fact that the T-Rex is here, and it's stalk pretty much stalking the kids. Even though these kids know to not move and do the stuff, they do it anyway. Yeah. They pretty much well. It's pretty much the girl. Okay. It's well. It's the girl that screws it up. She doesn't know any better. She's in the light off. It's a Unix system. I knew this. (laughs) Turn the light off. Turn the light off. Turn the light off. Still doesn't turn the light off. 
my favorite part is when he's actually the Rex is actually attacking the Jeep and it cuts to Malcolm and you just see how fogged up his window is because how heavy he's breathing. <laughs> well, it, tur- it turns over the Jeep and starts attacking it. Oh, but first the lawyer just takes off. Oh, yeah. He just leaves them. He left us. Where does she think he's going? Well, you got to go. You got to go. Because he just goes and hides in his conveniently placed restroom. Which is yeah. funny because it's one of those tours that, like, I don't think that you're supposed to be able to get out of the car. So it's kind of like, why is well, the they restroom yell at even there? Like, I told you there should be locking mechanisms on the cars. <laughs> <laughs> but this is when there's, like, the big continuity error of this movie. Where oh, yeah. earlier they went by and it's pretty much flat there. And now all of a sudden there's just a sheer cliff on the other side of the wall. Yeah, that is a big continuity error. Um, Who cares? It creates drama. So, of course, the whole reason the lawyer gets killed is because of Malcolm, because he has to be a hero. Uh, Grant gets out of the car just to distract the Rex with a flare, and then Malcolm gets out to distract the Rex from Grant, even though it was working. It runs into the bathroom. The Rex takes it down. He gets crushed under all the debris, and then it's just the lawyer. On a toilet and, with no yep. with no walls around the bathroom anymore. Yep. And a and huge you, Tyrannosaurus in a lawyer. So I suppose that proves they're really not all bad. <laughs> and of course, uh, he, his, uh, his Hail Mary before he gets killed was inspired by Terminator. Which uh, we'll be reviewing that later this year, too. Uh, in like three weeks. Yep. <laughs> so body count two. As Gennaro pretty much gets ripped in half, uh, the Rex comes back, throws a jeep over the edge, Grant and Lex climb down to the bottom, Tim is stuck in the tree, and oh, Grant has to... The, freaking, the jeep just goes over the cliff and then lands on a tree. Like, holy shit. Pretty much. Um... Ellie and Malcolm are going or uh, Ellie and Muldoon are going to go search for the survivors when they realize all this crap that's happening. But first, we have to see what happens to Newman as he runs his jeep off the road. It gets stuck, and he's pulling out the cable to get it out, and he encounters a Dilophosaur. But it's just a young one, so he's not intimidated by it. And, and, just, and he broke his glasses, but he'll be able to afford more glasses. Later. Yeah, he can afford more. Dilophosaurus is just trolling him. Pretty much, yeah. And then it it follows him up the hill, unveils its big-ass frill, and then, did you know that the Lophosaurs were poisonous in Jurassic Park? Because we made that up for extra drama? Well, they are. And it spits him right in the eye. It blinds him, and he gets into his Jeep for safety, dropping the shaving cream can with all the embryos in it in the process. And when he gets in, I just love how dinosaurs just chilling in the car. They make a really funny joke at Beavis and Butthead when they're talking to one of their classmates who had just seen the movie. And he's like, yeah, and then the dinosaur gets the fat guy in his car. And Beavis is like, whoa, cool. The dinosaur had a car. And Butthead's like, yeah, dumbass. How'd you think it got there? Rode a bicycle? (laughs) (laughs) So you just get that vision of a Dilophosaur just pedaling a bicycle. (laughs) Um, They find the overturned Jeep. Even though, and they also find Malcolm, who says, remind me to thank John for a lovely weekend. The Malcolm lines are just so great in this movie. And now here comes the must-go-faster line, because the T-Rex chases down the Jeep, and panicking Malcolm gets onto the stick shift, almost pretty much preventing their initial escape. Must-go-faster. 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 
And of course, the objects in mirror might be closer than appear is a classic Jurassic Park joke. Also, a Toy Story 2 joke. Well, it is. <laughs> I think this was Gennaro. I think this was too. Gross. Gross. So we're pretty much at that point where we realize that the whole system is fucked. So the only thing to do is to reboot the main power, which Mr. Arnold. Oh, that's another funny thing. His name is John Arnold in the book, but it's Ray Arnold in the movie. I wonder if they just did that because it was two Johns and they're just like, no, you need a different first name. You mean like there can't be anyone else named Shane? (laughs) Yeah. Gregory Helms. Yeah, we can't have any more shades. Not to mention that at one point WWE had like five Steves. Yeah, and a lot of Johns. So I'm surprised they let John Morrison say John Morrison. They already had Cena. So if a, if a guy names if a guy named Randy gets hired, he's pretty much screwed. You guys should listen to the Club Cafe podcast. That's a wrestling podcast. You should listen to that. For the wrestling. Yeah, more cheap plugs. Um, and, of course, the kids spend the night in the big-ass tree. They meet the Brachiosaur in the morning. And now Lex is getting over a fear of dinosaurs when it sneezes on her, <laughs> which is hilarious. And then that's when Grant discovers the eggs. And he said that Malcolm was right. Life is going to find a way. Because, yep, some frogs can change their sexes. Just about everything Uh-oh. Malcolm says in the movie comes true. So. Yep. So... Arnold goes to get the power back on, but he does not return, so they know that something's wrong. So Ellie and Muldoon go out to retrieve him, loads up his shotgun, and discovers that the raptors have broken out of the fence, because even Nedry knew better than to mess with those fences. And when they see the power shed, he said that they can't make it because they're being hunted. But he tells Ellie to just go. Everything is going to be okay. I've got her. But then they hunt him just the way Grant said in the beginning of the movie. Yep, exactly the way. You see one, so you think you might be safe if you keep it in front of you. But nope, one or two more come from the side. Clever girl. And it's the dark-skinned one, too. The the alpha is the one that gets them. So racist. Why? Because the dark one was the alpha? How is that racist? Dark ones killing people. Racist. (laughs) Jeez. Fortunately, there's a certain character that only appears on a wrestling podcast who does not appear on this one, who will not be commenting any further on this. But uh, Ellie gets to the shed. She, um, She gets the power back on. And then comes, honestly, one of the best jump scares in any movie ever. And the raptor just pops out from the back and scares the living shit out of everyone in the audience. Because I don't think anybody saw that one coming. Yeah, especially just like after all that stuff she did right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's, yeah, she's alone in that shed and everything. Or at least that's what you think. I mean, it's not like they were making any noise. So when everything comes back on, it just decides to make itself known again. And that's when she finds the arm. <laughs> Yep. Um, Poor Samuel L. Jackson didn't get to film his death scene, even though it was scheduled because of the storms and everything that hit the island. So they had to settle for just the uh, the arm. And he said that's something he always regretted. (laughs) I guess he really did want another death scene on camera. (laughs) 
Well, of course, Ellie does successfully turn on the power, but she also electrocutes Tim as they were scaling one of the perimeter fences to get back in. So, good job there. These people are the worst. Yep. Big Tim, the human piece of toast. But Grant decides to track down everybody when they get back to the visitor center. He leaves the kids by themselves, which is a great move because here come the raptors. Oh, it looks which, like they had the, the, the dessert is all out because they had to because they lost the power, right? So yeah, they had so to they bring had to, all the food out of the fridge and freezer and stuff. Yeah. So they just start pigging out. Yeah, because why not? <laughs> the food's going to go bad anyway. But you know what? They, they missed something because they just show, like, the, the raptors' uh, uh, shadow on the wall. They should have had, like, because she had a bunch of jello. They should have showed the jello just start jingling like they did with the water earlier. Like, just three times they, oh, did, yeah. with the, they did with the water. They should have done it with the jello. <laughs> yeah, but raptors don't uh, make the earth move, so. Yeah, but if it's close enough. Yeah. Well, now comes the uh, the kitchen chase scene, which is really, really good tension-building drama for this, this type of movie. Crazy scene. It's so well done. It really is. It's, it's absolutely perfectly directed. It's perfectly shot. I mean, you, you really can't go wrong with this. It has all the perfect tension that you need and all of the dare to bring up yet another wrestling reference but all the false finishes that make it worthwhile like when she is trying to hide in the oven and the raptor charges her and you don't realize it's a reflection until the very end swerve swerve and then tim locks one in the freezer and they're just like it's only the two raptors right well of course but unless one of them you know they learn how to open doors which lol guess what the raptors figure out right, like right after she says that it opens the door oh yeah yeah it also jumps onto the kitchen counter like a cat there was a lot of cat like stuff in there like shoving stuff with their face uh you know all kinds of stuff i was like yeah that is our that is our cat yeah, they're hunting. I also like when it's uh, it's tapping its big ass claw, just like uh, <laughs> like it's an impatient person tapping its foot. Uh, good stuff. Really good, intense scene. Um, they escape from the one raptor and get back to Ellie and Grant, but the raptor's in pursuit, so they hide in the control room. But the door locks are electronic, so they can't lock the door. And the raptor's just chilling in the window, staring at Grant. Starts to open the door when he's just like, oh, shit. And then comes then comes more, more evidence that children are useless as Grant and Ellie hold the door shut. And Tim just stands there and jumps up and down while Lex gets on the computer. Even though there's a shotgun on the floor that he could hand to them so they could shoot the raptor. But... No, why do that? I should just encourage my sister. Nope, this is a Unix system. I know this. Oh. Now she gets everything back online, and they call Hammond in the emergency bunker. And it seems like everything is relieved until they realize the raptor is about to come through the window. That's just that's your next oh shit moment. And since Grant doesn't know how to properly operate a shotgun, he only shoots what he can and then drops the gun. And it's like, all right, screw it. Let's get, get out of here through the ceiling tiles. And, of course, there comes another great moment when the raptor jumps up and try, almost takes out Lex. Another good dramatic moment. And she's which all like leads, hanging there in the air. Yeah. <laughs> uh, funny, funny story about that was the stunt girl that they were using at the time accidentally looks up at the camera 
So rather than reshoot the scene, they simply digitally imposed Ariana Richards' face onto her. <laughs> you know why? Because we got the technology, so that's what we're going to do. Why reshoot the scene when we could probably spend more time, money, and effort <laughs> putting her face on it? Duh. And they start to climb down the uh, the big skeletons in the main part of the visitor center. And the raptor jumps on it and pretty much shatters the skeletons. So now they're all like on individual everyone's pieces. Like, everyone's so fat. Because <laughs> they're all in individual parts. And then they all start breaking because these freaking 100-pound kids because and women are fat. <laughs> there's a lot of weight on there. Don't forget the raptor was on there, too. Well, the raptor was only on one part. And it was on the Every, biggest part. They probably, they probably had the most... Hang on a bit. No, but well, it's like probably, all of a sudden the little kid is too much weight, so it falls. Well, it also they also kind of broke some of the support beams when the thing fell apart. So there is that. Everything collapses. Another raptor appears. They've got them surrounded. What are we going to do? And then babyface turn. The T Rex <laughs> arrives. Not really. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Not really. In a scene that was chosen because hey this is what needs to happen here the t-rex needs to be the star that's what spielberg decided so the t-rex somehow silently breaks through into the building and kills both raptors kills one raptor instantly then the second one jumps on its side to try to take it down and while it struggles with that everyone makes their escape and then it takes out the second raptor, <laughs> whips it into the other skeleton, and then lets out a triumphant roar as the weird dinosaurs rolled the Earth banner falls to the ground for that awesome dramatic scene at the end. And, of course, Grant says to Hammond, after careful consideration, I have decided not to endorse your park. And he's like, me neither, and they drive away in, in a Jeep, and then they get on a helicopter as everything is... Everything's all peachy. Yeah, they they're looking at the birds flying by and smiling. The the kids are with Grant, and Grant likes kids now, so Ellie's happy. And Hammond's dreams are crushed as he just looks at the amber mosquito on his cane. And I also like that the jeep says "your ass" on it, as in you're lucky to get out of here with your ass. <laughs> Everything says your and ass. On it. Pretty much, yeah. And that, in a nutshell, is Jurassic Park. Like I said, oh, one you of my mentioned like one of my favorite parts was when they look at when the camera pans the freaking souvenir shop with all the merch. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's just and all that stuff eventually got eventually got made. Well, that was another that was another one of Hammond's spare dough expense lines when Ellie tells him how good the dessert is, all the ice cream that's melting. But it, it was one of those things where. Uh, Everybody was so concerned as to whether or not they could have. They never stopped and thought, maybe we shouldn't do this. Well, another Malcolm. Malcolm's right line. Yep. And of course, he's he is by far the best character in this movie because he is he is the most Jeff Goldblum character in the whole movie. I wonder why that is. I wonder why as well. <laughs> uh, really, really great movie. Uh, Dan, you got any trivia? Well, I got our our stats and stuff. Yes, uh, let's let's hear them. Rotten Tomatoes rating, ninety three percent. Awesome. Hey, that's the year it came out. For fan rating, ninety percent. Really? Huh. Still good though. I'm just surprised it's actually lower than the the rating website. 
And the movie costs about $63 million to make. And because now with the with the hype for the new movie, it's gone up to making just about $400 million today. God, yeah. God damn. So they definitely made their movie back. Uh, Michael Crichton sold part of sold the rights to it with uh, with a deal that he would get a percentage back for pretty much everything that happened from here on out. So I think uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that that gamble paid off. It, it was kind of, it was kind of like when they um, they let George Lucas keep like 10 percent of all residual merchandising sales for life for Star Wars because they didn't have any faith in the movie. And 10 percent for everything is still like several billion dollars. Yeah, considering it became like a, a toy cash cow. Yeah, I mean, it became the it became the fandom pretty much was Star Wars. Uh, let's see. Here's some cool trivia facts about. JP Jurassic Park. Um, the T Rex would occasionally malfunction in the rain, so it would basically just come to life while the staff were eating and creep the hell out of them. <laughs> like you'd randomly hear people screaming, and then you'd they'd just see the T Rex moving. <laughs> That's slightly terrifying. I remember hearing about that while they were making it. Yep. Like, oh, some of the animatronics short circuited a little and they started moving. <laughs> like, yep. Holy crap. <laughs> um, the, the screams from the kids are genuine when the T-Rex breaks through the glass roof of the Ford Explorer because the glass wasn't actually meant to break. <laughs> so those were legit screams you heard. Um, let's see. This movie and the book generated such an interest in paleontology that they had a record increase in students that continues on to this day. Velociraptors in real life were not as big as the one in the movies. That's the way Spielberg wanted them. During Discovery, paleontologists found a new species of raptor called Utahraptor. And they could have changed it, but they decided not to because the book had Velociraptors. And they didn't want to make that change. Uh, Richard Attenborough slept through the hurricane that struck while they were filming. Slept through the whole damn thing. Everybody was required to move to the ballroom of the hotel, but he stayed in his room and slept through everything. And when they asked him, he's like, my dear boy, I survived the blitz. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Um, a, a lot of really funny lines in this movie. Most of them come from Malcolm, but there's other great lines, too, like when Gennaro wants to know if those are animatronics, and he calls them autoerotica. <laughs> yeah, those autoerotica. Uh, did you know that John Hammond wearing all white and Ian Malcolm wearing all black was not coincidental? They wanted that to be the big contrast of characters, how Hammond was so upbeat and so inspirational about everything. A dark Walt Disney as Crichton explains how he envisioned the character whereas Malcolm is a realist but he's also very cynical very dark very into chaos uh, you, you are going to have dinosaurs on this dinosaur tour aren't you <sighs> I really hate that man <laughs> uh, Dr. Alan Grant was originally offered as a role through Harrison Ford but he turned it down saying the part wasn't right for him after he saw the movie he agreed the part was not right for him. Sorry. All right, Han Solo and Indiana Jones. I guess Alan Grant is just too much for your resume. Jeez. They would have had to change his complete look. Because they would have been like, oh, Indiana Jones is in this movie. 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's pretty much exactly how it did. Um, because the Triceratops droppings weren't real droppings, they had to put honey and papayas in it just so that flies would go near it because it was made out of clay, mud, and straw. <laughs> so it was probably much more pleasant than what it looks like in the film. Covered with feces. That is one big pile of shit. <laughs> that was a chuckle-worthy moment. Uh, Ariana Richards, who plays Lex, got her role because she was the only kid whose scream produced such a scare that Spielberg's wife, who was sleeping on the couch, jumped up and ran down the hallway to make sure the kids were all right. That's kind of creepy. Uh, Spielberg received $250 million from the film's gross and profit participations. So that's what Spielberg made. And if Crichton got a percentage of that, I'd say that they did very, very well. That's pretty pretty good, guys. Hey, you yep. know this movie won three Oscars? Did it now. It won for Best Sound, Best Effects, Sound Effects Editing, and Best Effects Visual Effects. You know, the ones that they had pretty much had to win. Yeah, um, because the special effects were so well, some of the practical effects people made a comment about how they're going to go extinct. And they liked that line so much that they incorporated it into the movie when <laughs> they asked Dr. Grant what he thinks. And he felt like uh, people in his role of digging up dinosaurs were now going to go extinct, as Malcolm so graciously pointed out. Uh, so good stuff. Oh, and yes, the uh, the raptor stat. 103 minutes into the movie is when you get your first glimpse of an adult raptor. And this movie is like two hours and seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, the original ending, with before the T-Rex popped in, was going to be raptor number one was going to get skewered on a rib, raptor number two was going to get crushed by the jaw of the skeleton, and Spielberg, everybody's like, no, this sucks. Spielberg, can you come up with something better? And he's like, all right, how about the T-Rex comes in and just tears down the house? Oh, okay, that works. And uh, Wayne Knight actually felt like Nedry's death kind of sucked in the movie because of how insanely gory it is in the book. And it really is. Because in the book, after he gets blinded, he uh, gets disemboweled. And he literally, and they very graphically explain how Nedry's holding his own intestines in his hand. And then the dinosaur takes his head in his jaw and pretty much decapitates him. I guess that's that's what Wayne Knight wanted it to be in the movie. But then you could forget your PG-13 rating if that happens. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. In the book, some of the, some character changes here. Um Gennaro is not a sniveling little coward. He is still a lawyer, but he's a little more brave. He does team up with Muldoon in a couple of individual missions, and both of them survive at the end. Hammond, on the other hand, dies in the book when he falls down a hill and breaks his ankle and gets killed by compies. That scene was worked into a death in the Lost World for Dieter Stark's character. Um... Another big change was that there was another guy named Ed Regis who accompanies the, the uh, kids on the tour, and he's the one that gets killed by the Tyrannosaur. 
Not by the adult, though. There's two in the book. There's an adult and a juvenile, and the juvenile is the one that kills him. It uh, pounces on him like it's playing with him, and then they hear this huge scream, and then the scream cuts off abruptly as the T-Rex snaps its head up. So that guy done got killed. Um, also, Ian Malcolm dies in the book, but comes back in the second book because, you know, that's what happens. He said, doctors did fantastic work. And your overall body count for this movie is just five. Um, the other deaths that stay the same are Arnold gets killed by pretty in pretty much the same way. He just goes off to turn the power back on and never comes back. And Dr. Wu, who's a much more major character in the book, gets killed when a raptor pounces on him from atop the roof. And another pretty graphic scene is they say that the raptor's tugging out his intestines and he's still alive because he's feebly trying to push the raptor's head away from him. A couple of little uh, comparisons Isn't that there. the guy that tells them about there's only females? Yes. That guy's and in Jurassic World. He's the only person that's in Jurassic World that was in Jurassic Park. Yep. And the reason why your major characters are not coming back for Jurassic World, even though they know everybody wants to see them, is because they just don't want these poor people getting involved in the same storylines over and over again. So, yeah, that's the only original character that is coming back. Because he was in one scene. <laughs> yep. He has Although less it was than very two. important because he told very important plot points. He really did. Um <laughs> But yeah, guys, that is Jurassic Park. It is an absolutely phenomenal movie. It is a movie I highly recommend you check out. If you are an avid reader, by all means, check out the book. There, The book isn't exactly the easiest read because there is a lot of scientific mumbo-jumbo in it. But, but if you get through it, it's some really, really cool stuff. Don't read the sequel, though. The sequel is really bad. And yes, I'm talking about the book and not the movie. The book is just really friggin' boring. Really boring. Don't read it. But yes, Jurassic Park. Big, big, big thumbs up from me. One of my all-time favorite movies. Very, very, very cool to watch. Super cool, guys. So go check out Jurassic World opening up this weekend. Uh, next week, we are going to take another reader or listener request, depending on if you're reading the stuff we post, you're actually listening to the show, because, hey, I found out a lot of you guys just read what we're doing and don't listen. Thanks for that. Read the point is, yeah. And look, I know a lot of you guys have said that you, you only listen to the episodes involving the movies that you want to listen to, and I get that, but the whole point of the show is that you watch the movie beforehand, so you can listen to it. Next week's movie is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? This is a listener request from Matthew Anderson from Australia. So we're going international with this one. This is an international request. Actually, oh, he's requested shit. something. Did he request something once before? I don't even remember. I have no idea. Okay, yes, but that's what we're doing next week. Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? So go check out Jurassic World. Watch some Jurassic Park. Watch all the movies. I mean... The two and three are definitely not as good as the first one. They are very flawed in a lot of ways, but they both have redeeming qualities, and I still enjoy them for what they are. Check them out. Do it. Yes. And that is Jurassic Park. Do, 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 do.